Um, for those that just tuned in, everybody give a shout out to all those that are watching from home. Or There we go. That means you should feel included because y'all just extended some love and gratitude. And I just want to say uh, to those of you that are watching on Facebook Live, along with everybody else that's here, I want to say thank you. Chris uh, Davis did a great job expressing our hearts this morning, but thank you for your faithfulness. Um, thank you for supporting this ministry and our endeavors and the things that are going on. And we are super excited to give a report really soon about the amazing things that God has done through each and every one of us with our Uganda offering. Absolutely over-the-top mind-boggling, but I have to keep my mouth shut so I don't overspeak in advance. But I just want to say thank you. And as we get started this morning, one of the things that I want us to do today is I want us to consider something as we, as we open up the Word and as we study together that I think is, is just super important. And I want to tell you that sometimes as I'm studying, as I'm going through stuff, I, I feel led um, as we're going through the Scriptures. And then I, I, be, I get, begin to study and then God just kind of like dumps on me and just overwhelms me. And what I think is going to be, okay, I approach it like it's going to be, this is what it's going to look like then it just, it just morphs into something amazing and even more beautiful and deeper than even what I had anticipated. So this morning as we open up the Word of God, I'm going to ask you to turn to Hebrews chapter 11 another time, um, one more time rather, Hebrews chapter 11, but I also want you to turn to Joshua chapter 1. Now neither one of these uh, scriptures are new to what we've been studying and what we've been talking about over the last um, year since January. We've been talking about faith, and we've been really just trying to remember our faith, remember people of faith and their example, and even some conversations that I, I've had this week. Um, as we're heading into Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving is a beautiful time for us to stop and reflect and be together, but yet at the same time, it's also one of those markers that as followers of Christ, Thanksgiving should be a part of our everyday routine. And it's in, the, it's in that, that, those steps of being appreciative and expressing gratitude and being thankful, and hear me when I say this, that we're able to keep in mind or remember what God has done on our behalf. Remembering is not easy. And I'm not just talking about as we get older and I go to, you know, find my reading glasses and I walk in and look at my wife and I'm like, where did I just lay my reading glasses? The best one that we laugh about with each other is when you walk in and I say, Lori, do you know where my reading glasses are? And she goes, I'm like, oh, yeah, I didn't realize that. So it's not just a matter of like getting older, but remembering the things that we need to. It's not natural for all of us. So this morning, I want you to think about something. Genuine faith, trust God and His timing. So I want to remind you of Hebrews chapter 11. Begin reading with me in verse 23. Now, we've already read these verses together at different times, but let's read again this morning. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 23. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden three months by his parents because they saw that he was a beautiful child. Now, I'm not going to fill in all the blanks, but you need to go back and fill in the blanks with some of the information because it's pretty amazing when you see why they hid him. They were not afraid of the king's command. I just underlined that, but I'm going to keep reading. 
By faith, Moses, when he became of age, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he looked to the reward. By faith, he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. By faith, he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he who destroyed the firstborn should touch them. By faith, they passed through the Red Sea as um, by dry land, whereas the Egyptians attempted to do so were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were encircled for seven days. By faith, the harlot Rahab um, did not perish with those who did not believe when she had received the spies with peace. Now jump over with me from there, from Hebrews chapter 11 to Joshua chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1, as we read together. And you do realize that in Hebrews chapter 11, everything was surrounding Joshua, but Joshua's name was not mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11. I've mentioned this before, but I think it's just, it's a, just a great reminder. You say, well, Tim, why aren't Joshua and Caleb mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11? Um, my simple answer is because they didn't need to be, but I think it also just reminds us that sometimes it's also purifying to realize that we're doing it for God. And for his glory, it doesn't matter if our names get mentioned or not. So, Joshua chapter 1, verse 1. After the death of Moses, so we see that we just saw the example of Moses' life and his faith. But after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun. There's a, there's a transition here. He was Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore, arise. Go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you as I said to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, to the great sea, toward the going down of the sun, shall be your territory." No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and of good courage. For to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Now I mentioned about genuine faith, trust God, and His timing. But this is what I want to do this morning, if you'll just bear with me, is I want to point out some things that could be easily overlooked in this passage of Joshua chapter 1, and I hope that you're able to connect and see the importance between Hebrews chapter 11 and Joshua chapter 1. We all like to focus on verse 8 in the latter verses that I just read, 
But there's a reason for the great things that Joshua accomplishes in his lifetime. And I think it's important that we begin to just kind of peel back and look at the backstory that there's a reason why God used Joshua and why God blessed Joshua. And that's what I want us to just kind of look at this morning. Verse 4 and 6 reveal some gems about genuine faith. Notice the phrase, look at verse 4 of chapter 1, as I said to Moses. And then the phrase in verse 6, the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. There's two reference points regarding time. One is God speaking to Moses. And you, go, you can go back and you could read Exodus. You can read some um, details in Numbers and Deuteronomy. All three books explain or give more detail back and forth about um, this God speaking to Moses. But the other thing that he mentions here in verse 6 is God speaking to their fathers, Isaac, Jacob, and Abraham. The promise of the Hebrews that began with Abraham. The first exchange was mentioned in Genesis chapter 12 and verse 1 and verse 7. Then the promise was actually made in Genesis chapter 15, verses 18 through 21, to Abraham. It was confirmed to Isaac in Genesis chapter 26 and verse 3. Then to Jacob's son, I mean to Isaac's son Jacob in Genesis 28 and verse 13. Now I just want you to write this verse down, Joshua 21. 43 through 45, if you want to just write that down in the flyleaf there, and if you want to go back and look at it, mentions the reality of what is recorded in Joshua chapter 1. Now, some of you, when you read a book, you don't read the whole thing through because you just can't, so you, you read to the end and you kind of see how it's going to wind up and it gives you comfort as you read. Well, that's why I'm giving you Joshua chapter 21. So you can see that God kept his word all the days of Joshua's life. I think it's important to evaluate the backstory of Moses and Joshua because it's just really easy to read through Joshua chapter 1 and not notice or kind of take for granted some of the things that are taking place here. Let me ask you, what was the span of years from the time that God made His covenant with Abraham until God uses Joshua to fulfill the promise? Now, if some of you have studied this, and you got a pretty good idea, this is a great time for you to shine. Go ahead and mention it. Anybody? Jump in. It's cool. Just write down Colossians chapter 3 and verse 17, and you can look at that because it references a timeline. Um, and I can just show you here. I've been looking at some people, and they've got some incredible, like they break it down, the detail, and it is really cool. And they have all the equations and historical information to break out the years and how long it was. Um, and so, wiser minds than mine have come up with the, the length of time. But from the very time, if you read in verse 6, where it says the promise that was given to the fathers. And then Moses was reminded, and if you see and go back and look at the biblical history and what's recorded, that God would consistently remind people of the promise that he had made. Now, this is the Hebrews. This is the children of Israel. So I'm not saying that this exactly applies to us in the United States, but it does apply as an example to us as followers of Jesus Christ under the new covenant. So the time from when God gave this promise to Abraham until Joshua goes over, the span of time ranges 
from between 470 years, and there's a different in evaluation and application, but between 470 and 500 years before the promise was fulfilled. Are you letting that sink in a little bit? Multiple generations here. It wasn't like he just said to, okay, Charles, here's what I'm going to promise you, and then Chase gets to experience it the next year. There's multiple generations. We're talking 470 to 500 years. God is speaking with Joshua about something that had been 470 years in the making. When he says to Joshua, Joshua, my servant Moses is dead, and now I want you to step up and do something, God is communicating with Joshua about something that has been 470 years in the cooking stage, in the making stage. Let me give you some other God is commissioning Joshua after learning under one of the greatest leaders in Hebrew history. He watched and learned for over 43 years at a minimum. So I think it's just super important that we stop and we look at some of these details because it wasn't like, and hear me when I say this, because every single one of us here this morning within the sound of my voice have the same cultural instincts and struggles that we typically as Americans, we want everything that we want, not now, soon, yesterday. We've progressed to the point where our impatience level goes backwards now. It's not just that we want it instantaneously right now, or we want that immediate gratification. A lot of times we're frustrated, not just that we got to wait at all, but that it didn't already happen for us. You get what I'm saying? So I think it's important that we, we don't miss the backstory here that we're talking about a lot of time. And this is what I want to mention when I mention to you that he'd been over 43 years. Think about this. And some of you, not everybody, but there's some of you that are going to relate to what I'm about to say. Joshua's part of the frustration. Joshua was part of the frustration of unbelief with the children of Israel. Think of it this way. A couple of years into the Exodus, they were presented, the nation was presented with this grand opportunity to experience the fulfillment of this 430 plus year promise. Look at Numbers chapter 13. The timeline, because of unbelief and sin, an extra 40 years was added to the timeline now because, and we'll talk about this later, that this group was sent out. And so this, the majority, the democracy group, the majority rule group was like, whoa, whoa, Yeah, we know that we've been shared with God's promise and what He said He's going to do for 430 years, but let me just tell you how big the people are. Let me tell you what's going on. And so the sin and the unbelief added an extra 40 years to the timeline. Whoa. Learning to trust God in His timing brings us to a very difficult word. Waiting. W-A-I-T-I-N-G. Waiting, 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 waiting. 
Wait. Waiting. We must learn to wait on God. This is by no means an exhaustive study this morning, but simply a reminder that a follower of Jesus Christ must learn to trust God and His timing. Waiting is not a natural desire for most of us. Now let me give you three things real quick. Waiting on God is not. Please hear me when I say this. Waiting on God is not an excuse for laziness. Waiting on God is not rationalization for the fears that you... It's not a rationalization for fear. Waiting on God is not justification for your indecisiveness. Are you hearing my heart this morning? I've watched a lot of quote-unquote spiritual leaders in my lifetime that want to talk about waiting on God when I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt they were scared to death they didn't know how to be decisive. They were scared because they were scared. They didn't want to make the wrong decision, so they were scared to make a decision. And then at the same time, I've been around, spiritual leaders are just flat out lazy. Didn't have any work ethic. I'm just being honest with you. And some of you have experienced some of the same things. Waiting on God is not the three things that I just mentioned. Please hear me when I say this. Waiting on God is not about inactivity while we expect God to show up and do what we are not willing to do. I don't have a mirror. I'd be looking at myself. If I did, I'd be like, man, them overalls are bad, aren't they? Anyway. Thank you. But rather, but rather, waiting on God is the proactive, proactive investment of all that we can do while waiting on Him to do what only He can do. Read it again? Okay. Thank you, hon. I love you too. Okay. Waiting on God... It's not about inactivity while we expect God to show up and do what we are not willing to do, but rather the proactive investment of all that we can do while waiting on Him to do what only He can do. Let me give you four things real quick. Waiting on God is being proactive and working in preparation of God's provision. We as a church family, with all this going on, we are going to continue to move forward. We are praying. We are asking the Spirit of God to do greater things in our midst and through us than we have up to this point, even in the middle of what's going on. We are not going to cower in fear. We're not going to function with indecisiveness. And we're not going to be lazy in our walk with God. And listen to me. If you've gotten lazy over the last several months, stop it. Change. Did I say that nicely? I thought I was proud of myself. <laughs> Waiting on God is being proactive and working in preparation of God's provision. This is what it means. Drawing closer to and learning more about God. Can I tell you what Joshua and Caleb, can I tell you what they were doing during those 43 years? 
They weren't sitting on their laurels. They were drawing closer and learning more about God. I can promise you that Joshua was evaluating the way that Moses went to the tent of meeting. He was watching Moses' disciplines. He was learning from what he was doing. And I believe that Joshua was drawing closer to God during that lifetime because God, as soon as Moses was dead, he turns directly to Joshua. God has a personality and attributes. Did you hear me? God has a personality and He has certain attributes. It's about making time to pursue Him. And I'm just going to say, every single person in here, including myself, you do every single day what you really want to do. Now you can go tell what you tell yourself to somebody else and they might be like, oh, I know life is so hard and you've got it so difficult. And some of you do have it rough. But you don't need my sympathy. You need my encouragement and you need our strength and you need us to do. But the bottom line is you carve out time every single day to do what you want to do. Making time to pursue Him. Number two, waiting on God is being proactive and working. It means learning more about His plans and His agenda. You know what's beautiful? I'm watching some of our church family get flushed out during this difficult time. Because the things that you've made your agenda and you've made the most important, some of those things have been derailed and taken away and been stripped away, and you're standing there lost. And you have faith in Jesus, but you haven't been activating and building on that. And what I mean by that is your world has been all about you. So what I mean by learning more about his plans and his agenda is this is what I mean. Making time to see the bigger picture. The picture is bigger than just your face in the mirror. The picture is bigger than us individually. God is at work, and with Joshua, there was this long, extended, huge plan for this large group of people, and Joshua was part of that, and Joshua understood that there was a much bigger picture going on than just Joshua's life. Number three, waiting on God is being proactive and working. It's understanding that God's priorities, His priorities on a personal level, then on a family level, and then on a church level. As you begin to learn more about God's plan and His agenda, then you begin to see how that applies on a personal level. What does that extend? What does that mean for us personally? What does it mean to understand his priorities for me? Joe McGee, when he was being funny at the very beginning, he's just a hilarious reminder. None of us pack it in the coffin with us. Or if you're getting cremated, you don't get your goods cremated and you don't take them in your urn with you. I mean, I guess you could do that. That'd be weird. I never thought about that. Okay. But think of it this way. We're making a conscious effort to apply God's priorities to daily living. Some of you have been skirting specific verses because you want to hold on to your fear and hold on to your anxiety because it's like a crutch that you hold on to because it's been a part of your life for so long. 
And yet there's so many Scriptures where the Spirit of God is trying to lead you to and trying to help you understand. Cast all your care upon Him. Release your worry. This isn't in Matthew 6.33 I try to live by. Seek first the Kingdom of God and His righteousness and everything else will be taken care of. Tim, is it really that simple? Yeah, but it's a fight every single day. Making a conscious daily effort to apply God's priorities to our daily living. And number four, waiting on God is about being proactive and working and experiencing His wisdom. Some of you right now, you're at a beautiful place because the plan that you had laid out financially, the plan that you had laid out, a lot of things have been disrupted in your life. We're all in a similar boat. So you know what's beautiful is some of you are turning to God for wisdom. Maybe for the first time in your life on a deep level. And some of you, you've come back to Him seeking and asking Him for wisdom. Hallelujah. Because that's where He meets us. When we pursue Him, when we ask Him. And what I mean by that is making what God says paramount in daily decision making. Somebody was here this morning, we were talking early before the service, and they said, Tim, I spent 20 years of my life just spinning my wheels. I was going to church, but I was living in sin. And he was basically saying that he didn't know how to make daily decisions. Daily decisions about what God says was paramount in his life. And as he began to do that, his life began to change. Psalm 27, verse 14, Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Yes, wait for the Lord. Psalm 37, verse 7, Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Do not fret because of Him who prospers in His way, because of the man who carries out wicked schemes. Isaiah 30, verse 18, Therefore the Lord longs to be gracious to you, and therefore He waits on high to have compassion on you. For the Lord is a God of justice. How blessed are all those who long for Him. James chapter 5, verse 7 and 8, Therefore, be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. The farmer waits for the precious produce of the soil, being patient about it until it gets to the early and late rains. You too, be patient. Strengthen your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is near. Romans chapter 8 and verse 23. And not only this, but also we ourselves, having the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves grown within ourselves, waiting eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our body. Galatians 5 verse 5. For we through the Spirit by faith are waiting for the hope of righteousness. 1 Corinthians 4 verse 5. Therefore, do not go on passing judgment before the time, but wait until the Lord comes who will bring both the light that bring to light the things hidden in the darkness and disclose the motives of men's hearts, and then each man's praise will come to him from God. Psalm 130 verse 5. I wait for the Lord. My soul does wait. In Him is Word, do I hope. Genuine faith. Trust God and His timing. Doesn't mean that we're lazy. Ruled by fear. Or that we are making excuses because we're scared to make a decision. 
And understand, I'm the kind of person, and a lot of you that have been around our church family, you've heard me say. Some of you, you just need to learn to make a decision even if it's the wrong decision. Chris and I were talking a couple weeks ago, and we were just laughing about how the, working with youth, sometimes you have these games. And, man, you read, you work through it, you think, this game is going to rock the house. The kids are just going to be yelling and screaming for more. And then you get about 10 minutes into the game, and you're like, oh, my word, how do we get out of this? <laughs> this was a great idea, but this is terrible. And the kids are laughing, not because of the game, just because they're enjoying one another. And they're maybe just laughing at, Tim, this is the dumbest game, but I'm just laughing because we're doing it. And then you try to hold it, and you halt it. And Chris and I were laughing, and this is the way we're going to be. It's like, man, we tried that, scrapped that, we ain't going back there. Well, Tim, you guys make some wrong decisions. Yeah, welcome to the life. Every decision you make is right on target. <laughs> we're not going to go there. But I'm just saying, we're going to keep pressing forward. We're going to learn to be patient. We're going to wait on God. Because here's the thing, we're going to be faithful and we are doing what God has asked us to do. We're not forsaking getting together right now. We are drawing ourselves together and we are focusing on Jesus and worshiping Him. But let me just tell you something, we're showing up, but what we're waiting on is we're waiting for this infusion for this supernatural attendance by the Holy Spirit that's going to come over and do and supply and do great things in our midst that is going to be mind-boggling because what we need is His provision. We need Him to provide. We need God to show up in ways that we can't. So as we're actively working and we're doing what we need to do and we're drawing close to Him and we're pursuing Him and we're learning how to make His priorities part of our priorities and we're learning how to embrace Him and we need His wisdom. Listen to me, brothers and sisters. I'm going to say again, I believe our greatest days of supernatural provision are ahead of us. And either you can take confidence in our pursuit of God and being confident in God and His personality and who He is, or there's no middle ground right now. You're looking at somebody who's nuts. Stop shaking your head on that level, okay? <laughs> but you understand what I'm saying? But I have great confidence. We have great confidence in God. He's not left us. He's not surprised by what is going on. But some of us, we are right where we need to be and we need to learn the lessons. And we've got to learn to trust God and God's timing. Some of you, you've gotten to know me. We've talked. And you say, Tim, well, I'm like, I don't know. I'm not God. But we're going to keep going and we're going to be faithful and we're going to draw close to Him and we're going to pursue Him and we're going to be more dependent on Him. And here's what I don't ever want to happen. I don't want anybody else's life to be drastically altered because of my unbelief or my sin. Did you get that point? when they didn't cross over. We'll talk about that more. Some of you sitting here this morning, you've told yourself for a lot of years that what you do doesn't matter. It only affects you. That's a lie. That's a bona fide, ball-faced lie. 
So let's pursue. Let's know God. And then let's make him known. Father in heaven, I thank you for just what you're teaching me. And I confess to you that I need to be faithful and I need to be consistent. And I want to just praise you publicly for your consistency, for your faithfulness, for your endurance on my behalf. And even on behalf of this church family, God, taking care of this church family for the way that you've touched people's hearts to give at certain times for special things, to respond, to, to come alongside. Oh, there's hundreds of things going through my mind, Father, and we give you honor and glory, and we say thank you. So, Father, I ask that you would draw people to yourself today. God, that you would add to your church those that need to be saved and redeemed and rescued. I pray faith over those that have unbelief right now, that they would be born again, that they would turn their hearts and their minds toward you and trust you. And God, we are asking you to be glorified, that you would be in our midst, that you would lead us, and God, that we would know you better and then make you known. In Jesus' name.